take down Satan's strongholds. The blood is powerful enough to get rid of your depression. The blood is powerful enough to put back your marriage. The blood is powerful enough to heal your sicknesses. Somebody ought to give praise for the blood. thank God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. We thank God for the praise team and Sister Kim and all the musicians and everybody on the choir with that, what I call the New Destiny remix. The smoothed out version. I like that. I like that. But we thank God uh, uh, for everything and we thank God for uh, the opportunity to be here uh, to Pastor Ballestero and First Lady Sister Kim Ballestero. We give honor to them. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. We find it a great privilege to be here, and we don't take it lightly or take it for granted. And we are really humbled by everybody's uh, kindness towards me and my wife and my family. We thank you, New Destiny, for accepting us in and making us feel like family. Amen. And, and this is our church home, and Pastor Ballester is my pastor. That is my first lady. Amen. Amen. And we're here to have church. Amen. 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 Not going to hold you up, but let's go ahead and go to the word of the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read verse 1 to 5. Deuteronomy chapter 8, reading for verse 1 to 5. And I ask the sound team, if you just help me out on the monitors, please. I'm a little special. I need a little bit more on the monitors. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If you haven't said amen, thank you. It says, be careful to obey all the commands I am giving you today. Then you will live and multiply and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food pre previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that cometh from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and Savior Jesus Christ, again, we thank you, Lord, for your loving kindness and your mercy, O oh God. We thank you for your presence that is here right now, O oh God. And we pray, O oh God, as your word goes forth. O oh God, that it will accomplish what you have set it out to accomplish, O oh God. And not return unto you void, O oh God. I pray for those that do not know you in a part of your sins, O oh God. I pray, O oh God, for a spirit of conviction, revelation, and understanding of your word, O oh God. That salvation may be wrought, O oh God. And it may yield them body, soul, and mind to you. That may be baptized in the name of Jesus, O oh God. O oh God, and that you will fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost, O oh God. Touch these lips of clay that shall bring forth your word. Let it go forth with the power and demonstration of your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And let everyone say amen. 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 You may be, uh, well, you're already seated. 
<laughs> Forgive me, I'm just used to that. Amen. And for a topic this morning, we simply this, the journey. And the subtopic, a lesson from the wilderness. The journey, a lesson from the wilderness. One of the things we must understand is that God has an objective for his children. And his objective is to bring us into the promises that he has prepared for us. But in order to do so, he has to prepare us for those promises. And in order to prepare us, he has to build our character. Now, one thing we must understand, because a lot of times in a lot of places, especially in Christendom, we find that people are more concerned about blessings. And they go and they go to places and they tell them, well, God is going to bless you. God is going to do this and God is going to do that. They tell you to give your neighbor high fives and say some kind of catchy cliche. Or turn around 12 times and then the 12th time God is going to pour out a bag of money. But we must understand that in order to walk into the promises or the blessings of God, we must be prepared for those blessings. We must be matured and be able to handle what God has for us. And so in order to do that, God has to build our character. I used to tell our church a long time ago that God is more concerned about your character than your happiness. If everybody wants to be happy, I understand that. But happiness, you can be happy and go to hell. But when you have character, you will always make heaven. And so we must understand that God wants to build our character. And in order to do that, God has to bring us through what we call a process. We believe that we are already prepared a lot of times. We say, well, I'm good. I, God, you can just go ahead and bless me right now. Because I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I got my good job, good health. Uh, I'm married. I got good kids. I got the 401k all down and... I got all this stuff good. But you must understand that only God knows what the finished product looks like. You may feel like you're good enough and God may be saying, mm, there's a couple more things you need to do. He said it to the young rich ruler. The young rich ruler came all confident to Jesus. He said, hey, I want eternal life. And he said, now this is what you need to do. He said, I've done all that. You know, don't kill, don't steal, all those things. He said, but there's one thing that you're missing. One thing. Everybody say one thing. one thing. Out of all the things he was thinking about. No one. The rabbi did not tell this young rich ruler. There was one thing. The rabbi told him. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Come to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Do all your things. All the, the ceremonial uh, sacrifices. But when Jesus came across his life. Jesus said, I know you've done the sacrifices. I know you pay your tithes. I know you give your offering. I know you're living right. But there's still one thing I desire from you. And the Bible says that when God told him, I want you to give away your riches to the poor. Pick up your cross and follow me. That young rich ruler walked away without saying a single word sad. And we never hear of him again. Why? Because the most important thing to him is the one thing God wanted. And sometimes what's standing between us and the promises of God is that one thing. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11, we find that, Jesus, that the Lord says this 
through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, and I'll read this in the King uh, James Version. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. He said, I know my plans I have for you. Say, God knows my plans. God knows the plans he has. And his plans may be diametrically different than your plans. Oh, we're going to talk about that in a second. But he said, now I want you to understand that my plans for you are not evil. You may be going through some stuff, but the stuff you're going through is not to bring evil to your life, but it's to make you better. It's to build you up. It's to draw you closer to me. And so we must understand that God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. So when we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1, we find that Moses is giving a summation to the children of Israel of the last 40 years. Everybody say last 40 years. And he tells them, let me get you to understand what is going on. Now, when we talk about these 40 years, we say they've been wandering in the wilderness. But God doesn't say he's had them wandering. We call it wandering, but God calls it preparation. What may be going on in your life may seem like it has no, no aim, no, no goal, no destiny in, in, in head. But can I tell you, God knows exactly what he's doing. And you, God hasn't lost you on his GPS. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. And so, I propose to you today that nothing you are going through is wasted. Nothing you're going through has no purpose. That everything that is going on is working towards an expected end. And you are going, and those, that expected end is to live in the realm of promise that God has for you. So my first point today is the objective. Everybody say the objective. The objective God tells us in verse 1. Now read this again in the King James Version. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do. That you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. God says now, the objective is that you may live and that you may multiply and that you may possess. Nothing God is doing has no purpose. Everything he's doing has a purpose in your life and he's bringing you somewhere and so he says the first thing I want you to understand is that I want you to live so I say live that word live means to restore or to revive some things in our life have been dead for a long time some of us came in here with a dead marriage some of us came in here on a dead end job some of us spiritually are dead we're supposed to be alive, but we came in We came in here dead. We haven't felt God in a long time. We haven't shouted in a long time. We haven't prayed in a long time. We haven't said thank you, Jesus, in a long time. And God said, I want you to live. 
Somebody shout live. Say, I want you to live. And not only do I want you to live, but I want you to multiply. Multiply means I want you to increase. Can I tell you God wants you to increase? He wants you to increase your finances. He wants to increase your relationship with God. He wants your marriage to increase. He wants your parenthood to increase. He wants you to increase. Everybody say increase. A lot of times we look at God and we say, well, God, I just want to be financially blessed. Can I tell you, if you are depressed and financially blessed, you're just a rich depressor. Some of us don't need money. We need joy. Some of us don't need a car. We need peace. Some of us don't need a new house. We need God. I wish I had a church in here that says, God, money is okay, but I need more than money. There are people in our country, in our city, in our state that have the car you want, have the house you want, have the spouse you want. But they are miserable. They are discontented. They have no joy. They have no peace. But you just came in the house of God. And you know all that God is. And you began to worship him. And your problems didn't matter. Your marriage status didn't matter. Your kids didn't matter. All you knew was Jesus. You are my God. Jesus just saved me. Jesus you brought me out of a miry pit. Jesus you are my friend. Somebody say multiply. So God wants you to live. He wants to restore something. He, he wants you to multiply also. But we must understand that the word of God, that the, how we're going to do that, God says, I want you to understand something first. He said, be careful to obey all the commands I have given you. See, we cannot Get to where God wants us to go without his word. Help us, Holy Ghost. The word of God brings enlightenment of the will of God for our life. It is not just to be read. It is to be read, to be meditated, and to be applied. Oh, God, help us. See, the thing is, and I'm going to be very honest with us. As the, uh, I think Brother Jackson's uh, Brother Emery said, a lot of times we take Christianity in sound bites. We like little scriptures. No weapon formed against me. I'll be the head and not the tail. Bless going in, bless going out. We like sound bites of the word, but we don't have the word in us and working through us. Because if we did, our lives would be a lot better than it is. If we did, we would have a lot more peace than we do. If we did, if it did we would love our enemy and love our neighbor and love God. If we did, we would walk in peace and walk in prosperity. But we only know a little. We only know a little. And that's the problem sometimes. That the little we know is not enough to overcome what you're going through. You don't have enough word in you to fight off the wiles of the enemy or the strategies of the enemy. 
And the enemy knows that. That's why he keeps coming back and coming back and coming back because he understands that the little dab won't do you. And so we're trying to be Christianity with Bible-like knowledge. We try to be Christians by using the same parts of scripture every day, everywhere. And the devil says, I don't even need to go there. I'll go around that scripture. I'll deal with something else. I'll deal with love your enemy as yourself. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. So you don't know that. So when your enemy comes, what you're trying to do is hate your enemy. And the devil says, that's exactly what I want you to do. And so you leave depression, you leave anger, you leave bitterness, you leave with malice in your heart, and you have no victory. And so you got to understand that God wants his word to be activated in your life. Oh, help us, God. In Psalms 119, verse 9. And this is the longest chapter in your Bible. But I'll read this in the King James again. Wherewithal, how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Notice a lot of people want the spirit of David. We always talk about the spirit of David. We always talk about David killing Goliath or David having a heart after God. But you let me must understand that the longest poem that he had to write was about the word of God. He said, now if I'm going to get myself right with God, i got to apply the word to my life. I can't just do it by a sling and a stone. I can't just do it by fancy cliches. i got to do it by his word. His word is going to cleanse me. His word is going to keep me. His word is going to direct me. His word is going to show me who I am. He said, how am I going to stay pure? I got to keep reading the word. I got to let the word touch the, touch the rough spots of my life. He said, and I, and I would encourage you. I know it's about 150 verses but can I tell you, you need to read the whole thing. Because I challenge you that if you read all of Psalms 119, you will never look at your word again the same way. Why? Because I'm going to be honest. There are certain things that you don't have answers for. Certain situations in your life you don't know what to do with. But all your answers are in the word of God. And God and the devil knows. The devil knows that. And the devil says, just keep the word closed. Just go to Facebook and Instagram. Get a, a nice little motivational speech. Or something off of somewhere else. But don't go to the word. 
and you can get something from Oprah or something from Dr. Phil, but I cannot tell you this, that may give you a, a little boost like an energy drink, but it won't keep you. You can walk in power and strength and victory with catchy cliches and motivational quotes. You need the word of God. You need somebody said, I need the word of God. That that depression, you need the word of God to apply to it. That lust, that you need the word of God to apply to it. That anger, you need the word of God to apply to it. Here's the thing, and I, I can be honest. God said, I want you to follow my commands. His commands are there because they are not innate to us. That means you don't naturally do what God commands you to do. If God says thou shalt not steal, that means your propensity in your nature is to steal. As some of you say, I don't steal. No, no, I might be able to put my wallet down. And even if you came up here, you get nothing because there's nothing there. <laughs> and you might not steal that. But when you go to work, you take an hour and 20 minutes instead of an hour on lunch. And you're still in time. Uh-huh, there you go, Holy Ghost, right there. And God knows that. But here's what God's word says. God's word says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. And if you know the Lord's watching you on lunchtime, then you need to come back on right before the lunchtime is over and clock back in and don't lie. I don't know who I'm talking to, but a whole lot of y'all need to do that tomorrow. the word of God. That's how the word of God works. Because here's what, oh God, what you don't know about the commands is the commands deal with us, not only with the present situation, but with the repercussions of our actions. And there are things that when the word of God says don't do, it is not just talking about that action, but it's talking about the repercussions after that action is done. Oh, I'm going to talk to you. The majority of us knows that the word of God says that flee fornication, flee sexual lust, flee sex before marriage. But most of us have one or the other parent that we was not raised with simply because they did not heed the word of God. The things you are facing in your mind your low self-esteem, your low self-value is simply because your daddy wasn't there because your daddy didn't read the word of God and say, you know what, let me put a ring on my, your mother's finger before I marry her. So the repercussion, oh yeah, it was, it was a nice Friday night and uh, Teddy Pendergrass was playing. Uh-huh. And your, your parents tell you how, how in love they were. And it's okay because it's love. But God said it's not okay because it's not really love. It's lust. Because lust don't have commitment. Lust, lust knows how to hit and go. Love is committed. And you wish today 
that your parents were committed to each other in order for you to overcome the things that play in your mind now and the marriage you have now that's on the rocks now because you don't know how to commit because you never saw it. Oh, you can call it old school all you want. But I'm telling you, I've counseled enough people that said, I wish I had my daddy. And I would know how to be a man. Or I wish I had my dad. And I would know how a man should value me as a woman. So don't you tell me it's old school. Because we got Xanax and all kind of Prozac in order to help you without knowing the word. tell you, give, give you a dose of the word of God, it'll help your depression. It'll help your oppression. It'll help your self-esteem. I feel God. Somebody ought to worship God right now. Some of you have to, oh yeah, some of you have to take shots, take pills for the rest of your life. Because fornication was in your life. Remember having friends. When I wasn't always saved. A bachelor at one point. Had friends in college. Now they're doing college. Had friends in college and when I was leaving, I said, listen, because my friends were sleeping on everything with two feet. And I had to tell them, I said, listen, y'all need to stop before I have to bury one of y'all. It ain't that fun. And you going to the, to the clinic ain't a joy ride. And my wife used to work in a place where it was undescriptive. It had no signs on it. And people would go there because they help people with HIV. And those people would bring in with the majority would bring in their significant other, but the significant other did not know why they were there. They would sit in the lobby while they would go back with the counselor and get the pills and get the whatever they needed and come out. And then sometimes they would ask, do your friend know? And they said, no. Mm -hmm. They look normal. They smell nice. They got a good game, but they're dying on the inside. And as the old Roberta Flack song said, it's killing you softly. You need to understand that the word of God is there to help you transverse through this life with as least much problems as possible. In Psalms 1, let me make it a little happier here. Psalms 1 verse 2. Here go David again. Talk about the blessed man. Somebody say the blessed man. Bless. That just means blessed human. So women, you can be blessed too. But they delight in the law of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank. Bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. And they prosper in all they do. Notice, the first thing they have to do is delight in the word of God. 
Delighting, that means I like it. Let me, let me help you, modern day folk. Some of y'all were little, our teenagers, not too long ago when Harry Potter came out. And y'all read all those Harry Potter books. All five, 50,000 pages of them. You went and saw the movies, uh-huh, just say amen. And you were excited about witchcraft and warlocks and all that wonderful stuff. It didn't make you no better. It didn't make you no richer. So if you can sit there and read that, you surely can read a book that's gonna promise you success. Let me say that again. You can read a book that promise you success. It don't guess success. It guarantees success. Because if you delight in the law of the Lord, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in your season. And your leaves are not going to wither. That's your life. The things you do in your life will not wither. And whatever you do, it's going to prosper. Ain't that what you want? Oh, can I tell you, just reading and meditating on the word of God is worth prospering. So you need to understand that. And then if that's not enough, Joshua 1, Joshua says, God says the same thing to Joshua. In verse 7, says this, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Listen, when God gives a command, don't put an amendment on his commands. Don't put it, don't say, well, he said that, that was, oh, that was 2,000 years ago. You know, this is 2019. Can I tell you, human beings are the same? Got the same issues, same problem, except you put it on, 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 on the internet. Same issues. And here, here's what God says to Moses, uh, to Joshua, don't turn from them. Don't turn to the right, nor to the left. Walk, somebody say walk straight. walk straight. God said, don't do this, don't do it. God says, do this, do it. Guess what? Why? I'm going to prosper. I'm going to prosper you because you obeyed. Oh, I'm going to get this. He said, now, then you will be successful in everything, somebody say everything. In everything you do. Notice, same book, two different authors, but the same promise. If you follow the word of God, you're gonna have success in everything. Your marriage will be a success, your children will be a success, your job will be a success, your ministry will be a success, your spiritual walk will be a success, your relationship with God. So notice what he says. Study this book of instruction continually. Not just when you have an emergency. Let me help you help God. You cannot pull God on in case of emergency. Because the one problem you have and I have, when we only meet God in the case of emergencies, we then have to muster up the faith to believe he can do it. Emergency is the wrong time to try to muster up faith. You go frantic, you get anxious, you get, you get panic attacks, you get nervous breakdown. You can't muster up faith there. But guess what? When you've been reading his word, and you know who you are, 
and you know whose you are. When the emergency comes, there's no, there's no worry. Because he said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, give thanks. How am I going to give thanks? I'm giving thanks because I know God's got it under control. I know I'm his and he's mine. And I don't have to worry about a thing because he has me in his hand. Let me up on the monitor, please. So he says, study. Everybody say, study. Let me help you. I know some of y'all, y'all went to school because it was legal. It was the law. You didn't study nothing. Some of you got the honor roll because your friend next to you was on the honor roll. Just trying to help you out. When you study, that means you read and you read for understanding. And then you read for application. And you try to sit there and you say, okay, God, what are you saying to me in this word? If I, if you say, it don't matter what. If you say, well, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then you sit and you say, what is the Lord saying? What is a shepherd? A shepherd leads sheep. So if David is saying the Lord is his shepherd, then there's a good chance that the Lord needs to be your shepherd also. And if the Lord is your shepherd, then what David said is, if I allow him to lead me, then he will lead me and I will not go wanting. Because the shepherd knows where the pasture is. The shepherd knows where the brooks are. And the shepherd knows where the wolves are. And the shepherd has a staff that when the devil tries to come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. Everybody say study. study. He says study, then meditate on it day and night so you be sure to obey. Everything because you may forget. So I'm just, okay, let me help you. I'm going to be transparent with you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, talks about love. Everybody say love. love. And it says love is patient. Love is kind. Huh? Love don't hold any wrong. All this wonderful stuff. I'm married. I've been married for 21 years. And there are times where my wife may do something I don't like. I forget love is patient at that time. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I learned? If I read it and sit down and study it, when something goes pops off in my marriage, I can learn, I have learned that I don't need to react. I need to be patient and I need to be kind. So she may be mad, but I don't have to be mad. She may be going, but I don't have to be. And now why is that important? I'm going to help you as God helped me. Because sometimes our spouse never knew what love looked like. And if I can be the representative of love in the house, then they will look at me and say, that's what love is. I thank God for the one God gave me and I'm going to reciprocate what I see as an example to me. Oh, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you men. Really. Because 
Notice, and I just thought, I know, well, let's just go, God. Uh, the Bible tells the man to love his wife. Don't tell the wife to love the husband. There's a reason. Because love is already innate in the wife. I just told you 10 minutes ago. God never commands something that is already natural in you. So we don't command it in you. That means you already do it innately. Your wife already loves you, but you have to learn how to love your wife. Somebody ought to praise him. So I'm telling you, after 21 years, that I'm still studying how to love this thing. And I call it her this thing. I mean love as far as marriage. still trying to learn how to love. And it says, can I put you into my prayer room for a second? Because sometimes the Bible, the Bible, now sometimes the Bible says that you hold no record of wrong. What do you mean? Hold no record of wrong. She just did me wrong yesterday. Here's what God says. Forgive. You know what forgive means? Let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Y'all soft frozen. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Why? Because if you hold on to it, you're not going to be able to love her right. If you hold on to it, you're going to block the flow of love because the Bible says God blessed the man that got a wife and gives him favor. So you got to work on it. Somebody say, I got to work on it. So I got to be kind. I got to be patient. And I got to be hopeful. Like I can't lose hope and lose faith and endure every circumstance. That's the last thing it says. Every circumstance. So no matter what comes, there is no thinking I need to get out. What there's thinking is I need to endure. Why is that important? Because when you endure, you break down all the things the enemy tries to bring against you. Do you know? And I'm not talking. If you're unsaved and you just got here, please, first of all, talk to Pastor Ballester. I'm not the pastor. So if anything I say wrong, he'll correct me and then he'll come back here and say, pay no attention to that 1225 and on. <laughs> you got to understand that God doesn't want us to find an out. God wants us to stay in. He wants us to endure. Because that's why, oh God help me, that's why Paul said that marriage is like husband, the husband and wife relationship is like Christ and the church. Christ has never looked to divorce you. And you know you're worth of, you worthy of divorce. Oh, you look at me all strange. Some of y'all just getting back in the church. 
after being mad with God. God, why you let this happen? Why you let mama die? Why you let grandma die? Why I lost my job? Why this happened? Why that happened? I don't want to be with you no more, God. And God said, I still love you. The reason you came back is because you knew you can find a God that will not hold it against you when you come back. That's why you are here today. Because you know God, you can find the love of God in the house of God. Because no matter what any man says or any person says, you know God will still love you. So let me ask you a question. Should your spouse still find love even after an argument? It should still find love. And that's free. We moving on. <laughs> but here's the understanding now. And here's the hard part. The wilderness. Because he said after the word. He said now there's a wilderness. And I want to kind of walk through this for a second. He said now remember Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. How the Lord your God led you through the wilderness in these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, but rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So I want you to understand. Everybody say the wilderness. The, wilderness. the hard part of this. This is the hard part of this. The hard part of this. Is that God uses life's rough places. To smooth out your rough spots. The Bible says. In everything give thanks. Because it's the will of God concerning you. Somebody said concerning me. That's why you can't compare your life with anybody else's. Because what God has to do in your life is totally different than what he has to do in someone else's life. And what you have to go through fits for what God wants to purpose in your life versus what he wants to do in someone else's life. And you must understand that no matter where you are, God is still leading the way. The Bible said, he said, remember. Everybody say, remember. How the Lord your God led you through the wilderness. He brought you through that divorce. He brought you through that death. He brought you through that unemployment. He brought you through that sickness. And you ask yourself, as all of us do, God, why must I go through this? What is the purpose of this? Why am I traversing this part of the, the, the life's road? I've heard people say, nothing came easy. Why is nothing coming easy? Because when it does come easy, he don't want you to take it for granted. Oh, help us. Easy is coming. But rough has to come first. That when easy comes, you remember rough. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. 
I want you to understand, and for the sake of not feeling like I'm condemning anyone, I'm going to use some simple rough spots. Because God brings us through the wilderness to smooth out some stuff. God will bring us about to the wilderness to take out prayerlessness. Because some of us haven't prayed since the all-father prayer was taught to you in Sunday school. You don't pray. You don't talk to God. You don't think it's necessary. But let a storm come down your alley. Let a storm come through your house. You'll be praying. You'll pray. You don't even know what you're saying. Lord Jesus, Lord, help me. God, Jesus, help me. Lord, this this Mary Sue, Lord. Lord, I know it's been a while. I know it was the 80s since the last time you talked to me. God said now, where I'm bringing you, prayer is a must. In the promises of the promised land and the promises of God, I want to have communion with you. But where you've been, you didn't have communion with me, and we must correct that. So in order to correct it, I got to bring you through a wilderness that's going to cause you to go down on your knees and learn how to pray. Bro, can I tell you, you don't really, I know it's, it's this nice church speak to say we learn how to pray by hearing other people pray. But I've I got one better for you. You learn how to pray by having to pray. Oh God, help us. Let me say that again. You learn how to pray by having to pray. Because I'm going to be honest with you. I know it, we sound fancy up there and we say some nice stuff and it sounds all put together and poetic and you're like, I don't know how to say all the names of Jesus. And you're like, you know, Lord, the Alpha, and the Omega, sci-fi, you know. <laughs> no, friend. See, you got in your head what Pastor Ballestero sounds like Brother Thacker sound like, Brother Hughes sound like, Sister Kim sound like, but you need to know how you sound to God. You need to talk to God in your... Come on, can I talk to some... Can I talk to some about Spanish folk? Some of us that are Spanish, you need to go into English, go back to Spanish, because that's when you feel it, don't you? You know they got bad when you... I don't know I'm Spanish, so I'm going to make it up. But it gets real when you, when you go straight into Spanish and God, because Spanish will take you straight into tongues. Oh, I'm talking to you. You know it's serious when you go back to your native language to talk to God, because you say, God, I don't know this English that well, but the Spanish, you know, I know. And I can say every word I need to say in my, I don't care if it's Creole, I don't care if it's Patois, I don't care if it's French. You know what to say in the way you say. Let me talk to you. You got to learn how to talk to God for yourself and make a relationship for yourself. If you say, God, we be in trouble, that's just how it goes. Dog, God, I'm telling you, dog, they, they, they come into the house. They done took the whip. I don't know what to do. 
God don't need a translator. God It'll be 
be like a prison. Everywhere you go, it seems like a fence is coming. Everywhere you go, it feels like this is happening and someone's doing something wrong to you and someone said something wrong to you until you get to the point and say, I can't go anywhere because I have all this bitterness around me. And God, and at some point, God's going to say, if you let it go, then you can free yourself. If you let it go, you can free. How long are you going to be in the prison of unforgiveness? How long are you going to hold on? Some of you are holding on to things but people who are dead and buried. What are they going to do now? So you're in prison and they're going on. Let it go. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it go. God's going to keep you in that wilderness until you say to yourself, I am tired of being bitter. I am tired of being of hurting. I am tired of being sad. I am tired of being angry. I am tired. Is anybody tired yet? Are you tired? Are you tired? Are you tired? Somebody say, let it go. Some of us, you're angry. God brings you to the wilderness to take anger out of you. Whatever it is, whatever the Bible says, he said, I led you and I humbled. That means I'm bringing you low. All of us like to be high, but you can't get high without going low. Not in the kingdom of God. You got, God's got to bring you low where your name doesn't matter, where your pedigree doesn't matter, where your trust doesn't matter. Where your, where your preaching doesn't matter. Where your title doesn't matter. Sometimes we're fighting for some things that God don't, you don't need to fight for. Everybody got to see who you are. Everybody got to know your name. Hey, you getting the glory, God gets the glory. That's why God said, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to humble you where you almost disappear. Where your name is a whisper and a rumor. You ever felt that in the church? When people say your name and it goes with a story behind it. And God said to you, Eddie, don't move. You say, but God, they treated me. Don't move. Because I'm working on you. And I'm trying to bring you to the promises that I have for you. But if you move, you're going to disqualify yourself from my promises. Don't move. Sometimes your name is brought through the mud. And you're like, God, I've paid my tithes. God, I've done this, I've done that. I've done a vacuum the floor, praying people through, I baptized, I prayed them through the Holy Ghost, all this stuff. And God, why did I bring you through? Because I don't want you to matter. Because if I use you, 
to lay hands on the sick and they recover, I don't want it to come to your head. I want you to remember that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would be just a whisper. Can I be honest with you? Can I be honest? Sometimes, Brother Tim, God brings things to our home just to remind us, Brother Marty, that we are just human. We, we, we can get all proud about what we do and get all about ourselves and say, man, I got this going, I got that going, and this going, that. Man, I'm doing good. And God will bring something to the store, right to the house, bring it to your knees and say, you know what, I'm only human. It'll feel like shame, Brother Marty, but it didn't come to shame you. It came to have you hold on to God's unchanging hand. It came to not let you get caught up. Oh, no. So when you walk into his promises, you will say, if it had not been for the Lord. If it had not been for the Lord. Sometimes we can get caught up in our ego, in ourself, in what people say about us, a ton of us. God will say, yeah, yeah, that's wonderful, but I'm going to bring you low right now. I'm going to bring your name through the mud. I'm going to have them turn on you because I want you to understand that I, the wilderness is a place of solitary, uh, 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 has a solitary aspect where there are limited resources and there are no friends. That's why God said, I led you. I led you. Because you know the only person going in the wilderness with you is the Lord. Your spouse can't go in the wilderness with you. I love my wife to death, but I've been through some wilderness and she has been through some, and I can't do nothing but stand outside it and pray. God, let not her faith fail. Yeah, you want to hold that hand in, but I'm telling you, God said, let go that hand and let me take care of this. This was my child before it was your wife. And I'm telling you, Pastor, there are times I'm watching my wife go through some things and as a man, I feel helpless. I feel powerless. And I'm like, God, stop it. And God says, you're going to have to trust me. You're just going to have. And that's what the wilderness brings. It brings you when you say, if God don't do it, it won't be done. It won't be done. Doc, if God don't heal you, it won't That's why he put you in that place. He didn't put you in that place to talk about it or complain about it. He put you in that place so he can say, this is what I will do when you give me the glory. The wilderness is a helpless. That's why he said, I brought you to bring you low. Then the second thing he said, I brought you so you, I, I allowed you, I suffered you, or I allowed you to go hungry. Not that I, didn't prov I couldn't provide for you, but I want you to get to a place where you need me so much. 
I'm hungry for the Lord. You ever got to that desperation when you are hungry for the Lord because you know there's nobody else that can help you in this wilderness? I'm hungry. That's why David, David said, I seek after him. I go after you, oh God. Why? Because there were times in David's lives when he slept in a cave and only God was his comfort. And he says, he says this. He says, now, I let you go low. I let you hungry. And here's what I did. I fed you with manna. I gave you provision you've never seen. And you can't reproduce. See, you're going through right now. And you're so mad. That you don't have enough money, you don't have enough this, you don't, you drive a beat up car, you all this stuff. And God is saying, I'm just giving you enough to get here. I'm giving you enough clothes to not go around naked. I'm giving you enough pay so that you can pay your bills. I'm giving you enough this so you can have to depend on me. And if I don't move, you don't eat. See, the thing is that we feel helpless because as humans, we think we're the master of our own domain, the captain of our ship. But when you get in the wilderness, you are reminded that you are, you are a, a human being and you have limitations. And if God don't do it, it won't be done in your life. Oh, help us, God. He says, so I fed you. I didn't feed you with filet mignon. I didn't, I didn't feed you with nice fish. He said, I fed you with little, little seeds that you had to crush up and make bread. And I gave you just a ration for today. Oh, God help us. Some of you came in here worrying about tomorrow. And Brother Diamond just read that scripture and said, don't worry about tomorrow. Because sufficient is the evil of the, the, the day. So don't worry. Why? Because that's why Jesus started that prayer. Give us this day. Our daily. What was he pointing to? He was pointing to the manna. This day. I got my ration for this day. Sometimes we get mad at God. I don't, I can't see next week. I don't know how much money for the rent. I don't got enough money for mortgage. I don't got enough money for And God said, when is that due? That's due next Friday. What today is? You want to be the master of it. God said, here's a go. Here's how it goes. When I release the funds, you'll get the funds. But God, I don't know. He said, this is where you're going to learn how to trust me. You have two choices. Drive yourself to a panic attack in a rubber room or have confidence that I'm the almighty God and I haven't lost the case. God to work that out. Why they work it out? I'm going to shorten this up and bring it, bring it to a close. But I can stay here all day in the wilderness. Because God's trying to work some stuff out of us. He's trying to work us on this journey. And I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you new destiny. God's doing it for a purpose. Because he says now, when you walk into my promises, I'm going to read this for you. When you walk into the promises, there are going to be mountains of copper. There's going to be iron. There's going to be things 
olive trees, houses you're going to live in that you ain't built, vineyards that you ain't plant. He said, I'm going to give you the, the abundance of the land. But you had to go, Pastor Ballestero, God understands and knows all that you've been through. But he also knows the promises that you're about to walk in. And People may talk about this and talk about the rough and talk about all that stuff. But can I tell you, when God does what God's going to do, people will forget the trouble. Somebody praise God right now. Somebody lift your hands to God right now. Lift, go ahead and stand and lift your hands to God. Go ahead and worship him. And I want you to understand. He said, So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing, somebody said, He's bringing us into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley of grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. A land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in hills. Why am I, why are you going through this? Because God has a promise of overabundance for this church. God has a promise for overabundance. Lift your hands to God. Talk to God. Talk to Him. 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 It's a journey. God has a plan. Don't get mad at the journey. Don't curse the darkness, but know that God is with you. God is for you. God hasn't left you. I know it's been hard. There is greatness here. God doesn't want you to forget that when he brings you to that land, what you have to go through. 23 years and the devil tried his best to discourage you. Try to get you to quit. Because he's afraid. He's afraid of your worship afraid of your prayers. And if he can get you to quit, if he can get you to fall to your mind and say, is it worth it? But can I tell you? Every tear, every pain is worth it. It's going to be worth it in the end.
you need prayer in this building, won't you come? If you need God, won't you come? If you're going through, won't you come? If you need strength for your journey, won't you come? That's what the angel told Elijah. He said, come on, eat. Because you need strength for the journey. God knows exactly where you are. He knows what you're facing. He hasn't lost you. But he wants you to finish the course. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to backslide. This is not the time to throw in the towel.